Recorded live. Sorry. You manifested this space for yourself. I think that's it. I think I think deep down inside, I wanted a place to belong. I wanted a place where I felt like I fit in, and I just created it. And lo and behold, there were you know thousands of other women that felt exactly the same way. And um, once I realized that, then I actually started to put some some time and effort to growing the community. Um, and, you know, I know one of the biggest issues that I had when I first started running was that it was hard for me to feel like a real runner, um, you know, because I wasn't as fast as other people or I didn't look like other people. Um, and there weren't, you know, it was just hard for me to find people that kind of, you know, were sort of at my, my level or had some of the same issues I had, I guess, because, you know, when you're when you're a curvy runner, <laughs> so to speak, there are some additional factors that need to be considered. So I think I think I just really needed that space for myself and I taught myself how to feel like a runner and I realized I could teach other people the same thing. So I kind of created that community that I would want to be a part of, but that could also help other people avoid some of the, the struggles that I had when I first started out. That's awesome. And I mean, did you did you envision like is this one of your wildest dreams? Is this something like have you always, you know, is this a twenty year dream? Like how long did you think about putting on this amazing retreat? Oh, that's another great question. So the retreat itself you know, figure something else. Again, I think I created something that I wish had existed when I first started running. I mean, I wrote, it all started years ago. I wrote this book called Running with Curves because I, when I first started running, there was nobody out there that was like, oh, if you weigh over 200 pounds, they're like, you can't be a runner. They would just say, don't do that. And I knew differently. So I, you know, I created this book to teach people and then the community grew and one of the things that I had personally always wanted to do was go on some kind of, like, fitness retreat or running retreat where, you know, I could learn about running and actually go for a run with people. But I always felt like, oh, I'm going to be the slowest person there. They're going to make fun of me or I'm not going to fit in. So I'm kind of like, if I want those things, other people must want them too. So that, that kind of became a dream of mine um, to to kind of create something like that. But on top of that, I've always been somebody who loves to travel, and I kind of feel like we're a lot more open to learning and growing and trying new things when we travel. So it was sort of made sense to kind of combine the running retreat with these sort of amazing destinations so people could feel, like, pampered and cared for and, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so lucky that I get to run in this amazing space. So... That, I guess it's not something I necessarily set out to do, but it became clear as I developed the community and as I developed the um, the program and the club and everything that this was the obvious next step. Uh, and, you know, I just love to travel anyway, so I'm like, wow, how cool would it be if I could actually, like, teach people about running while, you know, while being in these fabulous locations that I'm going to go to anyway. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of 
not necessarily a 20-year dream, but a natural extension of everything that I've been doing and sort of a combination of all my favorite things. I love that, a combination of all of your favorite things. And so, you know, that's a little bit, I want to ask you questions a little bit off the topic of running, but, you know, because you're not just a runner, you're an entrepreneur. And obviously you've created this amazing business. I mean, you had over 50, over 50, I think, close to 60 people at this retreat. So you don't just know about running, you know about business. I mean, and, I mean, have you always been in business? Do you have a business degree? Like, how did you, how did you become an entrepreneur? How did you know what to do? Ah, that's hilarious. So <laughs> I had no business experience whatsoever when I started this business, and it started really small. I kind of quit my corporate job. I was just running away from the corporate life because I just felt like it wasn't – it was. It felt really hard. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was just not my thing. Um, actually, that's a lie I told myself. <laughs> I was finding it – like, if I wanted to continue with my corporate career, I had to learn a lot of new skills, and I just, I didn't really want to put the time and effort into it. So, I quit my job. I kind of ran screaming and, and started becoming a personal trainer, and I thought, oh, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And little did I know, I quit a corporate job for something that was going to be even harder, which is being an entrepreneur. And I learned a lot of lessons the hard way, um, a lot of expensive lessons um, in the early years. And I guess, yeah, I had no business training whatsoever. What, what I did do, the smart thing I did do is align myself with mentors and peers and, and examples of how to do things the right way. And, um, and I used to think that it was really hard to be an entrepreneur. And when I thought that way, it was hard. And then I kind of like was having a, a talk with one of my mentor peers who kind of said, why does everything need to be hard? And it was sort of a playful moment where I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I actually get to choose. And it's so hilarious because that's something I teach to people about body image is that, like, you're the only one who gets to decide whether you have a great body or not. And if you, you know, like, you don't have to believe anything that anybody tells you about your body, you're in charge. But yet I wasn't I wasn't following my own advice when it came to running a business. So I think the pivotal moment for me was when I realized that I could always ask myself the question, how can this be easy? And then like it was like magic, everything everything was easy. And I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes along the way, but um I think once I removed that barrier of this really hard and all this hard work, once I kind of removed that barrier, like suddenly it was just like the heavens opened up and shone down and great things started to happen. It was totally a mind shift. Um, yeah, and I have no business degree whatsoever. I'm Actually, I'm a chemist um, by trade. So there you go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's, that's definitely pretty far from business. That's amazing. I love how um, you you take that back to running, and um, so I just I I love that story about how this really wasn't um, you know you didn't know how to do this, but you learned to do it, and you I, I love the parallel between you and your runners, like you give them permission and you tell them it's their choice and they get to choose, 
and then it's when you made a choice in your business that really, you know, you, the heavens opened up as you say it. Um, what, and I want to talk more about, you know, that choice. Like, what do you teach women? Because I, I get the feeling that there's something different in there. Like, I, I've never heard it said, like, you get to, you know, you get to choose how you view your body. Like, tell me more about that. Like, who shows up? What's the difference that being in your program makes for a woman? Oh, well, we start with how they get to decide whether they're a runner. Because I think, you know, running is sort of the point of entry to be, you know, in the program um, or join the club or in the community. And and most people come in, I'll be honest, most people come in thinking, I'm going to become a runner so that I can lose weight, so that I can love my body. And I feel like it actually happens in the other direction that once you learn to love your body, you can start to do other things, um, like get better at running and so forth. But a lot of people think that running is the ticket to weight loss, and they don't realize that running is actually the ticket to loving yourself and being confident and shifting your own perceptions and taking charge. So... I think what they learn, the first step that they take is they start calling themselves runners, right? Even if they are running for 30 seconds and walking for five minutes, like just the fact that that 30-second run is in there, is in their workout, like they give them permission to call themselves runners, which is hilarious because they've certainly had the power and the permission all along, but when they first kind of start with me, they, they have this feeling of like, oh, somebody else needs to give me permission. So I give them that. Here you go. You can call yourself a runner. You're in the club. And, like, I think that first step sort of opens the door for, oh, you mean I don't have to listen to what everybody else says and I can choose. But it's that, it's that important first step of, like, allowing them the space to kind of think about themselves differently. And it's not overnight. It's not an overnight process, for sure, because we've had a lot of programming, all of us. I mean, even even women who have a perfect body still have programming that there's something wrong with them, that they should be working on this or that. Um, so it's, it's hard to undo all of that, I think, but it starts with a little baby step, for sure. That's awesome. And what... So tell me, maybe pick two or three of your favorite, like, you you know, you have, I think you have more than 200 women in your, um, ahead of the curve um, right now. What, mm-hmm. give me, like, three of your favorite stories. Tell me about three of your favorite women and stories and who they've become as being part of that group. Oh, well, okay, so one story really stands out, and... It's a woman who was, she's actually a personal training client of mine, and she had completed several half marathons, um, and she's taken over a minute off of her running time, um, and, but I mean, like a minute per mile. <laughs> so like over the <laughs> yeah, like she was getting faster and stronger, but she, she sort of had a lot of issues with anxiety on race day, anxiety about how she looked, like very, very 
um, concerned about what she looked like to other people. And so she started, you know, she started training with me, and we worked on her strength, and she became physically a lot stronger, and I could see her getting faster and um, and stronger and, and really not even having any injuries, but but she was constantly getting in her own way because she would tell herself she couldn't do something, even though she'd already done it, and I would point that out to her, and she would give me all the reasons that I was wrong. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you know, you want to hold on to that story, that's totally fine. Um, but I think when she, she joined ahead of the curve, mainly because she wanted the retreat. So, and I think she thought it would just be fun because um, we do an annual retreat every year. It's included in the membership price. All you have to do is, is you know, show up, get a hotel room and show up, and, and you get to enjoy everything for free the whole, the whole weekend. So, um, so we're, she joined because she really wanted to go to the retreat. But I'm like, hey, you know, let's just do some of those biweekly coaching calls because it's included in your membership. And she started listening in on the calls, and we did some visioning exercises. And... I think it, we slowly but surely started to shift her per- perception from somebody who, like, I think she thought that her completing all the half marathons that she'd done was a fluke. I'm like, really, honey, three in a row is not a fluke, but okay. <laughs> um, but she started, I guess, cracking the door open to alternate possibilities. And I think the, the, for me, the moment that I knew that things were really shifting for her, and it's such a tiny little thing, but she showed up for her workout um, in a tank top. And this is a woman, that, and we work out at 5.30 in the morning. There's nobody else in my gym but me and her, and she still didn't want to show up in a tank top. And I'm like, who are you trying to impress? <laughs> um, but honestly, like, just that much was a big deal for her. She showed up in a tank top. And then the next week, she said to me, guess what? I went for a run, and I wore a tank top. And, like, that to me, that was enormous. That was her saying to the world, I don't care what you think of how I look because I, you know, like, I'm okay with it. And I'm not going to say she went so far as to say I look awesome, you know, she's still kind of working on that, but the fact that she finally allowed her imaginary thoughts about what other people were thinking to not interfere with her comfort when she level when she's running was huge. So, so that's kind of one of my favorite stories. Like, it's just a tank top, really. Like, but it was pivotal. It was pivotal. And so now, you know, she's she's just doing amazing. Like, she'll actually sign up for a race and and not even, like, stress out about it. Because she used to have terrible race day anxiety as well. Like, she would, for the whole week before she'd be, she wouldn't sleep, she'd be worried. And I would ask her what she was worried about, and she's like, I don't know. Um, but now she doesn't have any of that. She's like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to have a great time, and it's going to feel amazing. And, and so I think that's my favorite story. But I also have um, a story about about a woman that I think she struggled a lot with other people in her life not being on board with her fitness. 
not like you know, kind of interfering, like like saying, "Hey, are you sure you don't want to keep some dinner when she was trying to eat a salad?" Or saying, "Hey, why don't we just like lay here on the couch?" And she's like, "No, I told myself I was going to run now." So people are kind of interfering, and so that was another thing, like watching her see other people in the group make their make their fitness a priority, and then realizing that she had a choice, and that just because other people. It's really so funny. Like, I, I think this whole running group is all about taking your personal power back and saying to the rest of the world, like, you can have whatever opinion you want, but I get to decide. I'm in charge of it all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so watching her basically tell her husband, you know, like, I'm sorry that it, that it feels threatening to you that I'm losing weight and getting fit, but that's your problem, not mine, and I'm not going to let your fears get in the way of my health. So I think that's another one of my favorite stories. And let's see, what's the third one? Oh my gosh. So I've got another woman in my group that she actually, she lost a bunch of weight. She looks amazing. She's in her 50s. And um, she, every time she has a bad run, every time she has a run that feels uncomfortable, she's like, oh, that's it. The streak is over. Obviously, it's, it's all done, and I'm never going to run again. Like, it kind of blows my mind. I'm like, you just had a bad run, Beth. That's it. But she's like, nope, nope. Clearly, clearly the, the jig is up. And, you know, inevitably she'll take a week off from running, and then she'll be like, well, maybe I'll just go out for one. And then she'll kind of get back into it. And each time she's being surprised that she's able to kind of pick right up where she left off. And eventually – you know, after this happening a few times and all of us saying, you know, it's totally normal to have a shitty run. Um, she finally believed us. So I think part of the group, too, is, you know, taking back your own personal power but also having other people around you saying, no, I've experienced the same thing. It's normal. You're not a freak. <laughs> You're not alone. And, and you've got this. So the power of the group is kind of amazing. So that was sort of a long-winded answer to your question, but I think those are my three favorite stories. I love that. And are those, would you say those are typical stories? Like, do they represent, does each one of those women represent 10 more women in your group with a similar story? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely Definitely not. I mean, the names are different, but the stories are almost always the same. That's awesome. And then, I mean, there's, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. And then what? Well, there's also tons of stories of women who um, had a, a diagnosis of, like, diabetes or, or something else that, you know, that was kind of related to their weight and their activity level. And so they started running not just to lose weight, but to save their lives. And those are some of the most amazing stories because these are women, you know, 350 pounds, you know, told that she had five years to live if she didn't lose weight, and now she's running a marathon. And like... (laughs) Like, that is, and, and she's, she's kind of gobsmacked as, like, I can't believe this is my life. Like, who, how did this happen? Um, but it's true. It happens. And, it's, and it's, not, it's not because running is magic for weight loss. It's because it's symbolic of taking your life back. It's symbolic of taking control and of putting yourself first. I, I just think that that's what it comes down to for everybody is that it's it's the path into standing up for yourself and, you know, doing what you know is best for you. Kind of amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, I think 
this is one of the this is going to be one of the best articles in running world ever because you know often our articles are you know how to get faster how to do this I mean but what you're saying is that for most of the women in this group or all of them I, I would say that you're saying like it's symbolic of taking your life back taking control putting yourself first it's the past standing up for yourself I I, I feel like that is that is magic. Like that's it, it's magical. Like what you do in this group, and I'm just I'm so impressed at how you've been able to bring these women together, and I'm so um, in awe of the power that you're giving them. I mean, to really take back their life, to have a place to show up, because it's hard to have a path standing up to yourself, and it's hard to take back control if you don't feel like, like you said, if you can't call yourself a runner, but running is the path, it's hard to get on that path if you don't have a place that supports you. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, it's hard to get on that path. It's hard to, like, it, it's just a point of entry for them. That's it. Yeah. It's like they're on ramp to a new life. <laughs> yeah. And it's just not, I mean, it's not about the running at all. It's about everything else, but it's just, it's just the way it is. And it's funny because I know I know for a lot of runners it's about the accomplishment of and, and I call them traditional runners, like maybe right. like high school athletes or people who are like, you know, I just have to get under a twenty minute five K or something like that. And for them maybe it's more about the discrete accomplishment, um, and not necessarily about the daily the daily courage it takes to get out there and be a little different and and be proud of that fact. And I think that's what sets the members of our group apart is for them it's not about like setting a record or any of that stuff. I mean they're they love to do those things, but it's not about that. It's about every day showing up and every day like putting themselves in the number one position in their lives. And and I because I think a lot of women think that that's selfish to put themselves first. And I'm like, doesn't mean you don't do things for other people. Doesn't mean you don't take care of people. It just means you make sure that you're in the best position to do that for other people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you say when someone I mean, do you have is that typical with someone like they won't join your group because they feel like if they become a runner, they're going to put someone back? Or is that something that more comes up when people get in your group? Can you, can you repeat that? You're cutting out a little bit. Yeah. So um, when you're uh, – so do you find that the women who it's hard to put themselves first, is it hard for them to get into that group because they feel like they're putting other things behind? Or is that an issue that comes up once they're in the group and you kind of – do you handle it in the group, or is it sort of one of those hurdles you have to get over to get into the group? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think some women, I think they have to get over that hurdle at least on some level because it's not cheap financially to join this group mm-hmm. um, because I want to make sure that the people that are joining are all in, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, I could make it super inexpensive, but I don't think they would take it as seriously. So, you know, I think it's almost like I'm – if they can get to the point of spending the money, which I think a lot of times people are like, 
you know, oh, I don't want to take money away from my family or, or what have you. And if you're truly in dire straits, then, you know, you have other priorities and spending $2,000 to join a running group is probably, you know, not the thing to do right now. But I feel like for those people that can get over that hurdle of, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost symbolic, like saying, I'm going to put this money on the table. I'm going to bet and invest in myself, um, that's really the first step. That, that sort of flips the switch in the mind that it's no longer like, like you're basically saying, I'm worth $2,000 to, to kind of feel better. So, yeah, so I think, I guess in answer to your question, I think they do need to get over that hurdle to get in the group, but I don't know if they realize they're getting over that hurdle. Um, uh-huh. What they think is they're just, they, they think they just, I don't know. Um, I think they think that running is going to solve all their problems. And what really is happening is running is going to teach them how to solve their own problems. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Running I could probably agree problems, that. Like, running have. won't solve all your problems, but it will teach you how to solve your own. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's I can write that down. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That is that is really put that good. put yes. that in the article runners world put that in quotes <laughs> I am putting that I wrote it down so that you know um, we yeah. can definitely quote that because I think that that's amazing I mean and I think what you said is you know what do you say to a woman who is you know like I don't I don't think that I can invest two thousand dollars in myself like how because I think that's important like you said I, and I think. Maybe that's something that's different for your demographic than is most of our running world. Like, they do it because it's, you know, in some ways I feel like they justify it because they can justify entry fees because they're getting better and they're doing this and they're doing whatever. How do you, how do you get women over that hurdle of investing in themselves? Yeah. Oh. And here's the so, point where I don't have the answer. <laughs> Uh, so don't don't think. Just start talking. Like even if you just say like that's a great question, just keep talking. Until All right. Well, that's a that's a great question. I mean, what's the difference between spending two thousand dollars on on a year long program versus spending fifty dollars on a race? Um, you know what? It's almost like well, I can spend an hour getting a massage to feel better now, or I could you know, go to the gym three times this week and, you know, and work, whereas, or or I could lay on a massage table and have somebody make me feel better. So I think it's like an instant gratification. You get that hit of like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this race. And suddenly you're, you're flooded with all the possibilities of how good you're going to feel when you cross that finish line. It's going to be so amazing. And it feels good to think those thoughts. But then the reality of, you know, oh, it's going to be hard to train and blah, 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 you know, then you're like, well, it's only 50 bucks. It's not that big of a deal if I just don't show up for the race. But if if you're putting $2,000 on the line, you're going to show up, right? That's a lot of money to spend. So I think it's, I think that's it. I think the level of commitment spending $50 to run a half marathon, it's easy to just shove it off to the side and say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Oh, well, you know, it's only 50 bucks, it's not a big deal. But 
Um, so I think that's how you get over the hurdle. I think you, you have to, well, and maybe that's, so maybe that's the answer to why people stick with it when they, when they spend $2,000. How do they get to the place of spending that money in the first place? I think some of them have tried everything else, um, or maybe some of them have wasted a lot of $50 here, $100 there, and are like, I need help to get to a place where, where I'm actually showing up for those races. So it might be, it might just be like a, I've tried everything else and, and this is it. Um, or, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's probably part of it because I don't think people go out looking for a $2,000 running club they can join, right? Because you know what? Most people don't go out looking for Weight Watchers. The first thing they do is they Google the response to their problem. They Google answer their problem. Okay, I need to lose weight. I'm going to Google it, right? What do I Okay, I need to go on the paleo diet. I'm going to go on these free websites. Okay, none of that works. Okay, well, now I'm going to, um, now I need to go on this other diet, and I'm going to Google all the free stuff I can get. And then they start thinking to themselves, hmm, I can't stick to it on my own, so maybe I need to join, you know, a support group or something like that. And so they find something for like 20 or 30 bucks a month, and, or they join Jenny Craig, because Jenny Craig is basically just going to tell them what to do, right? Here, yeah. eat all our food, pay for all our food. And, but then as soon as you stop doing it, you, you know, you end up like right back where you started. So eventually they start looking for something and maybe they don't know it, maybe they don't know it on the surface, but deep down inside they're looking for something that's going to empower them to make those decisions on their own and not have to be told what to do. And I think that's where that's kind of like ahead of the curve comes in because those are the people that have said, all right, I tried doing it on my own, and I just don't, I don't have that internal motivation, or I don't think I have it. And I've tried having other people give me training plans. I've tried to follow Couch to 5K. I've tried to, you know, follow the Jeff Galloway book. And again, like, I have a hard time sticking to it. So they realize they need to invest a little more, and they know that intuitively, and those are the people that end up in the club. That's awesome. Wow, that's really good. <laughs> really good stuff. But that's it. It's almost like the three phases of what can I do for free? What can I do that somebody's just telling me what to do so I don't have to think for myself? And then how can I empower myself to make the right decisions? How can I want to want? Like, that's something I hear. And I, I know I keep going back to like the weight loss thing, but so many times people say, I don't want to lose weight. I want to want to eat less. Like I want to be inspired to eat less. Uh-huh. Because fighting off the desire to overeat is exhausting. So right. I just want to not want it. And that's sort of like, oh, that's a whole different shift. And nobody can make you not want to eat a muffin or cheesecake or pizza or whatever. Like You have to train yourself. So I think when you get to the point of realizing, oh, I have to empower myself, to make those decisions, I have to bring it back home that suddenly the space is opened up. And sometimes people join the club and they're not quite ready. And that's totally fine. Like, they get in and they're just like, oh, no, I'm actually not ready. And, and they don't show up for themselves. And, and, you know, six months later they're calling me up saying, this didn't work. That's totally fine. It happens, right? So, you know, if you're not ready, it's not going to work. Um, because it's not a prescriptive program, it's 
it's a it's a space for you to step up and take charge for yourself. I won't tell people what to do. I don't it's so funny too because everybody's like, okay, so what are the training plans that are included? I'm like, well, I teach you how to create your own training plan. That's what's included. I'll give you all the feedback in the world on it. I'll help you revise it, but I'm not going to give you a plan because I don't know what your vacation schedule looks like. I don't know what your work schedule looks like. I, you know, like, I don't know your life so intimately. I'm not your personal assistant. So, like, that's an example of me saying, I will teach you how to create a training plan that fits into your lifestyle to meet your goals, which is totally different from, like, a, a Galloway program where he's like, okay, here's your 16-week schedule, now go, go follow it. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that works for some people. It works for the slice of population that fits into his, you know, that fits into the criteria that that, that training plan serves, but then there's like 50% of the people that are like, this doesn't work for me, now what? So I'd rather I, empower people. That's, I love that. I mean, and I think that's so true. And what is the difference between empowering people for you? What do you get? I mean, how did you make the decision that you wanted to empower people versus just create a program that spits out things that people can more or less just buy? And what's the difference in the outcome? Um, so here's something really interesting, and this isn't even running related. This is like one of the business lessons that I've learned over the years. So years ago, I hired a business coach, and it was a pretty expensive program. And I thought she was going to walk me through everything I needed to do to build my business. And I said to myself, I'm just going to do whatever she says, and I'm going to have this business. Um, and, of course, then she told me to do things that I thought were really, really hard, and so I came up with all these stories why, why they weren't going to work, why I was special, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but eventually what I realized was, you know, even when I got rid of the bullshit stories, that she wasn't going to tell me exactly what to do. She was going to, you know, she was going to lead me to water, but it was up to me to drink, <laughs> I guess. And I think, like, once I got over thinking, oh, my business coach isn't going to do these things for me. She's not going to give me templates. She's actually going to model this behavior that, will bring me success. She will give me plenty of suggestions, but I have to create my own roadmap. Like once I internalized that and understood that, I realized, oh, well, you know what? Everybody needs to know that. And kind of ahead of the curve sort of was born out of that um, because I, I was not successful until I started saying, oh, I'm in charge of my own success and, and I get to decide. I, it really, it just keeps coming back down to that. I get to decide and I can make it easy or hard. I choose to make it easy. <laughs> it feels yeah. better, but, um, but like bringing that decision to ourselves and, and your success might not look the way you wanted it to or the way you thought it would, but then sometimes it turns out even better. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think, I think that was like one of my biggest lessons from working with a, with a business coach was to – just take charge of myself <laughs> um, instead of expecting other people to tell me what to do. Because really, nobody else can make the best decision for you. You're the only, you know, unless, unless you're on life support and it's a matter of whether you're going to pull the plug or not. And even then, 
<laughs> you know, you decide ahead of time, like, I give this person power to pull the plug or no. Uh, but yes. for the most part, nobody else can make decisions for you um, but you. That's awesome. And I think you're doing an amazing job empowering your runners to do that. You know, after hearing that story, like, now I'm remembering overhearing the conversations all weekend um, because I got to witness this retreat in its live form. And I heard that a lot now that you mentioned that about taking charge and making the decisions and, and coming back to it's your choice and really um, owning that. And you can see that. And I think the stories and the people that you had shared at the retreat like shows that and modeled that very well that it's your choice, and when you make your choice, you're successful. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And even if, you're, even if the choice you make doesn't work out, at least you know it, was, it wasn't forced on you by anyone. And I think that's a pretty valuable thing to know, that like, okay, I decided to go down this path instead of the other path, and I own that. And, okay, it didn't work out the way I expected, but at least I know I, I own that decision rather than blaming somebody else. Because I think that a lot of times, you know, when people don't get to complete their workouts or, you know, whatever it is with, with running, they're like, oh, you know, I, I, this happened or that happened and I couldn't do my workout. And, and I feel like that sort of delegating your power to somebody else, like, you chose to make that a priority. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong to, you know, like, okay, your kid is, you know, you're, I don't, I don't know a good example. Because I don't have kids, so, like, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, you're, you make the decision whether to, you know, if your child is sick and you have to, and you're up all night long nursing a sick child, right, it's not your kid's fault you didn't get your workout in. You made the choice to spend the time with your child instead of going out for your run. Now, that might have been the perfect choice. It probably was the perfect choice, but it's still not your child's fault. And I think that subtle shift of saying, oh, my kid got sick, so I couldn't go for my workout, to my, my child was ill, and I chose to take care of him or her instead of going for my workout. It sounds kind of the same, but it's world apart. Um, because then you can say, all right, well, I had two things that were really important, and I chose the one that was of higher importance, um, rather than somebody is coming between me and my running. Or for me, I had to stay up all night nursing a sick kid, and I didn't get to go for a run. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's sort of a, a difference. And it's, it's funny. That's a lesson I've had to learn for myself. Like, I just, just the other day, I found myself saying this, that I had um, – I had a client that needed to reschedule their personal training session. And, you know, I kind of wanted to go out for a run that morning, um, but they were kind of in a jam, and they are like, I really want to get my session in. Is there any way you can make an exception? And I said, yeah, sure. 